Uh, do you guys want to go ahead and start? <laughs> let's let's rock and roll. Good evening and welcome to Progressively Horrified, the show where we hold horror to standards it absolutely never agreed to. <laughs> welcome to Progressively Horrified, the podcast where we hold horror to progressive standards it never agreed to. Tonight, we're talking about one of the most influential, for good or ill, horror directors of recent history, M. Night Shyamalan. We'll be discussing his work more broadly, but specifically, we're going to be talking about his new film, A Knock at the Cabin, mostly because we have talked old to death at this point. I am your host, Jeremy Whitley, and with me tonight, I have a panel of cinephiles and cenobites. First, they're here to challenge the sexy werewolf, sexy vampire binary. My co-host, Ben Kahn. Ben, how are you tonight? I know he's very strong, but man, it must have been the shoulder exercise of a lifetime for Dave Bautista to carry this whole fucking movie on his back. <laughs> John Groff does a fantastic job, too, okay? He's fine. Bautista, they introduced young John Groff's haircut, and then I could think about nothing else for the rest of the movie. Same. Uh, listen, <laughs> Most- it's not his fault. Fucking 2000s emo boy haircut on very grown man Jonathan Groff. Listen. Incredible. Dave Bautista is the MVP. He's the Michael Jordan here. But that little girl is the Scotty Pippen of this oh, movie. Oh, 100%. Right. Yeah, he's 100%. way ahead of everybody else. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. And uh, Cinnamon Roll Cenobites, our co-host, Emily Martin. How are you tonight, Emily? I remember a time. When M. Night Shyamalan made a good movie, this is not that time. That year started um, with a 1-9. I, <laughs> I, I truly can't tell if this movie was in any way good or if I'm just judging it as better than old. Yeah. And that's not yeah. a bar. That's the yeah, no. subterranean fucking bar that's ever goddamn existed. And yes, this movie is better than old. I will say that. Like, yeah. Did I like this, or is this a Justice League Snyder cut thing where it just had to be better than the theatrical cut to get a good review? I watched this on Peacock, and there were commercials before it that were better than old. So, (laughs) uh, and our guest, comics writer and editor, noted fan of Knocking Before Entering, Kevin Kettner. Kev, how are you? I'm in a weird headspace because... I had to watch this movie for this podcast. And then I got excited for the podcast because I needed to talk to somebody about this movie. So I'm in a very weird place right now. But otherwise, great. I'm just glad I don't have to talk about old. I I mean, I'm with you there, Kev. And thank you so much for coming on to talk about fucking this movie. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've had a real string of, like, good movies. And while I like watching good movies, there is a certain sense of, hey, let's talk about how this movie succeeded and what it was trying to do. It's been a while since we've had a good movie where I'm like, hey, I've got some fucking questions. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, this this movie uh, leaves more questions than it answers. And to help us answer those questions, we also have our second guest, host of Talking Comics, our friend and frequent guest, Steve Say. Steve, how are you? I am feeling lied to, Jeremy. That's how I'm doing. Many, 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 many people. I work in film. I, I do I do news. I, I travel in the circles of a lot of film geeks and unwanted opinions on the internet about film. 
on the daily, five days a week. Everyone led me to believe that this was the one. This was Shyamalan coming back swinging. He hasn't done anything like this in a while. They lied to me when the visitors came out. They really lied to me, apparently. I haven't seen it yet, but based on the temperature of the room, when Old came out. And I was excited to watch Knock at the Cabin that I keep confusing with Cabin in the Woods. And <laughs> now... Here, yes. Yeah, I would, here, rather, I would much rather watch Cabin in the Woods, for sure. Yes. And we didn't love Cabin in the Woods. No, much like I did not love Knock at the Cabin. No. I was, I, I think I sat in stunned silence for about the first three and a half minutes of the credits, just mouth agape. Robin, like, are you okay? Did you, are you, are you, or do I have to call an ambulance? And I snapped out of it and I'm like, no, no, no. I just, I just don't know what to think. I, I definitely you. have a lot of thoughts about there being discretion shots for every act of violence except the anti gay hate crime. That one yeah. we got a show in full detail. We have detail. to experience multiple times, actually. Oh my um, god! Yeah, um, yeah, yeah we're gonna talk about. Let me. Um, I, I'm. I decided to do the recap on this one. I started writing it and then just quit. So I, I'm pretty sure that's how the script writing process went too. Yep. Yeah. So <laughs> as we said, <laughs> it is directed by M Night Shyamalan. It is written, written by M Night Shyamalan. Written by Paul Tremblay, M Night Shyamalan, and Steve Desmond. I feel like if you took like a line by line detector on this. You could tell which lines M. Night Shyamalan wrote. Um, absolutely <laughs> refuse to believe Paul Tremblay is a real person. That's absolutely M. Night Shyamalan's pen name, but then he just couldn't help putting his real name on it also. I, I actually listened to a podcast where Tremblay was talking about like... I stand corrected. Yeah, but he he got a phone call from Shyamalan who was like, these are the changes I'm making. And he was like, well, you paid for it. So go ahead. Like he was... He was very diplomatic about those changes, but it's my impression that there were like two people who wrote a version of the script and then it got into Shyamalan's hand and he was just like, well, I'm going to rewrite all the dialogue in a way that no human being can actually say them with a straight face. Except, and, but except Batista fucking does. He, well, he, it, did, he did a very admirable job, but there are just times where it's just like, you know that he was like, change this a little, make it flow like a person would say it, and Knight was just like, nah, dude. Dave Batista works for Vince McMahon for like 15 years. He is used to saying things that no human being should ever say and trying to make them sound serious. So like, I feel like Batista signed on for this movie with the idea like, this is going to be my flex. I'm going to show people I'm so good. Not even M Night can throw me off my game. This is that's, this, yeah. That's this that's is his real. This is his equivalent of when The Rock signed on for Southland Tales. <laughs> <laughs> I think one of the one of the reasons that Bautista signed on to begin with was because of the amount of speaking time that he has. Because yeah. he up until now. At least on the more serious side of the spectrum. I mean, I think but he does quite a... just did this to get footage for his fucking acting reel. There you go. Amazing. He wants get, yeah. He wants to get that wrong, Tom. Well, good for him. Good for Which him. He should get. But he absolutely should me, get. But fucking tell me Batista wasn't born to wear, like, a comfy sweater, have little glasses, and own a cute bookshop in the city. They have that in Blade Runner 2049. It's just instead of books, he's selling shrimp. He's gonna, she's going to be fucking like nine and adorable. 
Yeah. Okay, how, who is not greenlighting this movie? Come the fuck on. So, <laughs> but I do think that it is uh, remarkable, therefore able to be remarked upon, that Bautista is delivering his lines as if he did have a gun to his head, which works for a movie where everybody in the movie is desperate. So at least, you know, they made the best that they could out of the desperate situation. Yeah, that's... So let me let me go ahead and do the the recap here. It does star, as we said, Dave Bautista, also Jonathan Groff, Ben Aldridge, who is making a career out of being a handsome gay love interest. Nikki Amuka Bird and Rupert Grint. That's right, Ron Weasley's yeah. here, um, and he's got an accent or two. If, okay. if you ever wanted to see Ron Weasley get his face punched in, boy, do I have the movie for you. Yeah, so uh, he, the number of characters in this movie are from the same part of New England as Stephen Strange because they have the same American accent that he does, which is just hulking quietly and kind of mumbling, except for occasionally Rupert Grit remembers that he's supposed to be uh, from Boston and delivers like two lines like this and then goes back to mumbling quietly. So he say what you will about this the movie. Town. It right? saves like, a lot of time at the beginning. The accent training was he watched the town on the plane ride to the set. And well, he's like, did. Boston, I can do it. Got it. He played a Massachusetts guy in that the Dreams in the Witch House the in the Cabinet of Curiosities. I believe it was a Massachusetts guy. I can't remember much, but he was also like on drugs the whole time in the character was. So, but I mean, he was still doing his best. It's called method acting, Emily. I, but get I'm sure. results. Listen, if he's okay, he's okay. Just as long as the drugs weren't white. Sure. Okay, so, say what you will, the movie saves a lot of time by not bothering to establish anything at the beginning, but going back and doing flashbacks later. It's just like, there's a girl named Wynn. She's at a cabin in the woods. It's nice. It's remote. A man the size of a monster truck in a business shirt walks up to her and is like, hey, I just want to be your buddy and we're going to catch some crickets. As the conversation goes on, she reveals that she's there with her two dads, Eric, played by Jonathan Groff, and Andrew, played by Ben Aldridge. Uh, the large man, whose name is Leonard, played by Dave Batista, has come there with three other people, Sabrina, played by Nikki Amuka Bird, Redmond, played by Rupert Grint, and Adrian, played by Abby Quinn, to invade their home and have a perfectly reasonable conversation with them about how, if they don't sacrifice one of the three people in their family, the world is going to end through a series of three plagues, which is not a number of plagues that people, or I guess four plagues, which is not a number of plagues that we normally use. It is a number of horsemen that they have and could be a thing if they wanted to establish that they were horsemen or do any sort of fulfilling any of the like things that this movie promises, but yeah. they don't. I'm going to bust through this thing here because the thing is, the rest of the movie is nothing. <laughs> they they tell them that the world is going to end one plague at a time if they don't choose to kill one of the three of them. The four strangers that are there to tie them up and be all aggressive and tell them the world is ending don't know each other, have just gotten some sort of visions that are telling them that the world is going to end and they have to come to this cabin and make one of these people kill each other in order to save it. How these visions work is unclear and never really visited 
too much. In fact, they just ask enough questions to make it really shitty. They proceed to then every time that they won't kill one of themselves, somebody from the group of strangers that has locked them in there themselves gets killed by the other people. I don't know if they're being forced to do it, if their bodies are being controlled. It's a little unclear why these people are killing themselves. And in fact, there is one like real big logical problem in this where they're all talking about how they've seen all of these visions of how things are going to happen and that everything is happening the exact way it is. And Abby gives a, or sorry, Adrian gives a line about how she's seen her son die in her arms as he's consumed by fire. But also she dies by getting hit in the head by an axe in the cabin. So that's not at all what happens. So the visions clearly are missing some spots. They go through the other people. Eventually they, they break out. They directly cause Sabrina's death by shooting her. And then uh, they still refuse to kill one of them until Batista's like, man, I'm going to go ahead and kill myself. And after that, you guys are going to have a real short time to like save the world. And so he does kill himself. Finally, Jonathan Groff decides that he should be the one to be offed so that their child can continue to have a nice life in a world where not everybody else is dead. And then... Most of them. Yeah, and then the then Wen and her other dad leave, and there proceeds to be way too much shit at the end of this movie where they drive away and hear a song on the radio and go to a diner, and then they drive away again. And there's more stuff. It's M. Night Shyamalan does not know when to end a movie and somebody needs to teach him. Okay. Uh, yes. That ending. There are so many, there are so many problems in this movie that I just want to let us go ahead and like discuss, bring up the things that don't work in this rather than me trying to break down every issue. Okay. This in the, the, but just this part. the ending, the ending, because he actually had a legitimate funny moment. Like, they turn the radio to like they turn on the car. The radio happens to be playing the song they were all dancing to earlier in the movie. Traumatized dad turns it off. When moment of silence. When turns it back on. Fucking cut to credits. There. That's a legitimately yeah. funny yeah. ending. Yeah. yeah. One of my biggest beefs is cutting away from boogie shoes and then going to the most bland score I've ever right. Heard. What the fuck? <laughs> right. Like just end it. Just end it with Boogie Shoes, coward. Yeah. How do you pay it out for Boogie Shoes? I know, right? What? Like, that's your ending. It's there. It's there. What are you doing, M. Knight? Can you imagine being a creator of some kind of IP and then you find out that, like, Universal Pictures has picked it up? Like, it's picked up. And then there's a fucking, there's a script being written. It's being shopped. You're all excited. And then you, and then it's like, it's happening. It, the, you know, it's going to happen. And it's M. Night Shyamalan. And like, you're, you're like, I'm too fucking, like, I don't know what I would do. Like, drink if, and be like, and drink and rationalize it with Batista love. I, I mean, think, if you, I don't know if Batista's going to be in it. I think that the thing you have to take away from that is that you're guaranteed to make a killing in book sales. And then every, and anybody who reads it will know that you come away clean and that the decisions that make no sense weren't your decision. Yeah, I yeah. think that that's a really important lesson. And I think, you know, like the thought process of that, you know, especially with like when people get to that point with that, with the adaptation point, you know, there's a lot of excitement and a lot of like optimism, but you do have to, this is a possibility that 
something like this could happen to your IP. And sure can. Yeah. Now, question for especially yes. Sam Knight. Was them being the four horsemen of the apocalypse, was that supposed to be a twist? And not um, just you know, I don't a part of the movie that's very obvious from the beginning? Well, they make it twist. Like they did straight up barrels of camera and he's like, they're the four horsemen of the apocalypse, even though they also represent the various aspects of humanity, like this one bad thing and then these three good things. And then they're also the poor. I'm like, choose one. Oh my God. Choose one. The the four aspects of humanity. These fucking four absolute nonsense words, aspects I pulled out of my ass. Yeah. And I'm like, Alice, healing. Guidance, Captain Planet. Yeah, hard. <laughs> I mean, I don't know that that was supposed to be the twist, but I don't think I don't it know, was. I don't think that I don't know that he was really aiming for one because if he was, he didn't really get there. But the most potential one, I think, was the discovery that it was all real. Right, the stuff in the back seat. Oh, I never it, doubted it, for a second that it was. Yeah, real. but that's that's exactly my point. There is at no point in this movie, and I don't know if it's just like whatever. I had no point was I like, oh, I, I wonder if this is actually happening or if these are just crazy people. At no point did I ever question that the apocalypse was coming. I just knew it was coming. Like, and yeah, I, it's a huge and, flaw with this movie, and not and, even because like, oh, well, the logic was. Or like I was convinced by their conviction of the actors. No, it's just I fucking know M. Night. And there's no way M. Night would ever make a movie about the apocalypse where it's not the apocalypse. And, and, and his need to like make sure you know. It's like, yeah. Let me tell you for sure that this is what's happening. It's like, you know, if you also, something ambiguous, it might be interesting. Yeah, like, and we don't the need The Glass to. Trilogy, Lady in the Water, now this shit. Devil, I assume I haven't seen that. Shyamalan is kind of obsessed with savior figures. Yeah, mm-hmm. except in this one, like, and we talked about this in pregame. It's a logic. It's a logic problem that doesn't make sense. It's not the logic. It's it's not the tram problem or whatever. I mean, I feel like he he heard about the tram it's problem. Spider Man, one more day is what it fucking is. And like, but also. It's basically like, what if, I mean, it's the same problem that Jeremy had with the witch. It's like, all of the crazy bullshit is real. Like, it's not just people being crazy. Like, you didn't kill the gay fast enough. Like, you, like, God, God said, in order to avert the fall of mankind, these people, one of whom did a hate crime, have to make one of these gays kill the other one. This God's one of the sweetest gays in the world. And you have to find him. And, the, and also, like, okay, he presents this okay, question this to the might family. might be the Jewish disconnect because that absolutely sounds like some shit God would pull to me. This all right. sounds very in character for God. <laughs> well, it sounds character this, for God. This a thousand percent feels like the bullshit nonsense rules God but would not, set up for the apocalypse. Yeah, I mean, yeah, this is some Old Testament shit, sure. Like, this is, and also, like, Andrew, Eric, like, I, yeah, I get it. But... That also you should have named him Adam and Steve. Adam and right. They basically did. This is like our big size van kind of situation too. I'm like, y'all ain't fooling anybody. You don't know what the fuck you're doing. 
But so that they're like, we're going to present this problem to you. We, the four horsemen of the apocalypse, except we're not going to commit to that metaphor because that would actually be cool if we did. And then didn't like say anything about it. Just be like, oh, we, we respect your intelligence audience. No, they don't do that. But let me just see if I can stay on topic here with this one. Oh, get, get it out. Don't give me that look. Don't I'm excited. Look. Let's see how we do. They say, here, three people, one of whom is a barely, like, out-of-toddler-age child. What are you going to choose? We're going to let you all choose. No. They are asking one of these husbands to kill the other one. Because you know that this is not the movie that they are going to, like, it's going to be that dark. You know? What if one had decided to be a participant? What if one had tried to be like, "Hey, I actually do have a like a, a preference for which dad dies if it can, if it matters to the conversation." Yeah, like, and what if one actively used her voting power in this scenario? I was Daddy, just watching the zombie. Go. Yeah, this, it would be I fucked just... up. I can tell you, it would have involved a lot of dialogue that would never come out of a child's mouth. That's true. I mean, all of the dialogue wouldn't. It's like, I mean, it. We're I, already in this movie. I could, when is just explaining the concept of gay marriage to Dave Batista? All I could see was like fucking M. Night at his computer thinking he's like, yup, I'm explaining gayness. I'm explaining gay love through the eyes of a child thinking he's fucking crushing it. Oh my God. He's like, I'm so fucking woke right now. How he wrote the rest of the script after like, the wrist injuries he must have had after patting himself on the back. I know. He was like, okay, I'm woke. We have agreed that I'm woke. Now, you know I'm woke. Now I'm going to basically say bury your gaze and this is why. Like, this I will is- say, Leonard is a thousand percent a Twitter user because he's got that habit of like preconditioning everything he says to account for how everyone would take it the wrong way and be mad at him on Twitter. Ouching everything, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I, I want to say the thing that gets me about this movie. I mean, there's a lot of things. There's some issues. <laughs> there are some issues to be had. But I think the the thing that gets me is they try to play this like twist halfway through of like the reason that Andrew is not willing to go through with it, despite the like obvious signs that things are going poorly, is that he's sure it's some kind of like conspiracy that these people have targeted them specifically because they're you know gay men and and that like that's why they're doing this it feels like as somebody who writes scripts a moment where you would be like okay i have to go back and remember to like put things in this story that would he would add together to make him think okay this doesn't make sense but then they forgot to put those things in Because there are, like, several moments where, like, a lot of this stuff is pretty obvious or this stuff could be cleared up because, like, he, like, he's, he frequently points out that, like, Batista keeps checking his watch and, like, they turn on the TV at certain times because they know this pre-programming is going to be on there about these things that are going on. And the TV has a remote. You can change channels and see if it's on other channels as well like if if this stuff is happening then that would be the case never mind the fact that like the first i guess the first plague is like 
a whole bunch of kids getting sick. And like the way that they report it is one very casual. Yeah. And two is like, yes, a huge pandemic has developed uh, with the, you know, these symptoms over the past 45 seconds since like, okay. Okay. Happened in the movie. Can I jump in for just a second? Please always jump in. Okay. You are wonderful. Jump in always and forever. Yeah. (laughs) You're, you're beautiful. What is the thing that Keanu Reeves says? You're worthy of my grace. I probably that's what that Cowery says. That's what Cowery says. My bad. You're breathtaking. You're that's breathtaking. Right. That's <laughs> it. Breathtaking. You're breathtaking. Okay. So I can accept that maybe they know when the newscasts are going to happen. They know what channel to tune into because they've all, you know, supposedly seen it. And maybe I'm behind on my news watching because I don't have cable and haven't for probably close to 10 years. But all this, all the reporting, all the stuff did happen awfully fast, right? Like yeah. they took someone out and basically were like, well, that's done. Let's watch TV. And everyone had the details of every plague that was happening they have, with live footage from people. It just seemed in a movie have, where there's a lot, that was a lot. They have oh, yeah. camcorder footage. Of a tsunami victim. The tidal wave thing, yeah. Okay, minutes after the tsunami. Not only that, not only that, but think about that. This is what I was talking about, what I was like implying before we started. The thing that drove me absolutely insane is like, we've obtained this footage of the tsunami. The tsunami comes, crashes over them, and then there's underwater footage. Yeah. A, where did they get this footage from? (laughs) Also, like live transmitted. Is it uploading to TikTok while underwater? Right, that's the thing. It's like, that's the thing that drives me absolutely insane about this movie is take the extra 30 seconds to think about it. Right. Oh, here was someone was live streaming while this happened and then cut it before it goes underwater. It doesn't make like just that extra step of making it like if I'm being tied up and told this is happening, maybe I would start to think this is a conspiracy that they have professional footage of a tsunami taking me out that they were somehow able to dig up and put on the air. Well, this shit is so porous that, like, fucking Andrew totally explains. Ben, you go first. Can we get an Oscar for this doctor with the most chill, casual delivery about, like, hey... Almost two hours without any dead kids. <laughs> yeah, like how, that. Okay, because and here's another the thing: the whole averted apocalypse and the diner is corny. The word it felt really fucking Forced. corny. What it is is yeah. forced. It is contrived. There's a lot of art words that I have heard at critiques that have frozen our hearts as artists. Uh, who have tried to make something like look that you can look at and those all of those apply you know but okay this whole discussion just makes me want to see a found footage movie made by m night Shyamalan, where like the camera isn't shaky and for some reason it's always shooting the action no no one's ever running from anything it's just like yeah it's found footage for professional camera people that have a sound guy and like impossible (laughs) shots I feel like also just like underpinning and just oh like this is nothing but like they're targeting us. It's a hate crime is uh, kind of undermined by the fact that never ever in the history of all of human racism has there ever been a hate crime attack where 
the hate crimeists broke into a house, tied up the target of their hate, and then just started killing themselves instead. Yeah. That's never like- in the history of racism. That's never happened. It's it's psychological torture. I hate that I love that. It's like the worst. It is the worst manipulation that these fucking bigots come in here and are like, you have to do the hate crime instead or kill ourselves. But so for Andrew has to be the like it has to be visions of the apocalypse because it has to be real because nothing else makes a lick of goddamn sense. Even then, like all of I mean the the newscast makes absolutely no sense. Andrew's even the apocalypse makes very little sense. Yeah, like Andrew's one hundred percent right, and he's like, they timed this. This isn't you know whether it's an attack or not. It still can be like, and that's the thing is that hey night there is an experience of all of this kind of shit in the last 15 years it has happened okay and i know you're trying to make a comment about that but you also have all of like the the entirety of humanity their experience of this happening on social media on the scene okay i'm glad you brought up social media yeah between this and the fucking surely this weird YouTube video will change the world ending of glass. It really feels like M Knight's understanding of the internet froze about 2007, 2008, because he explicitly says message boards. They met on a message board. No, they Are fucking they didn't start? in 2023. They didn't get on a message board. Unless they were on the dark web. The dark web. Shh. Wait. Which is like even less valid. Listen, I know that he probably can't if a say Reddit, grade te- but that's absolutely where the meeting happened. They were, it was oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. percent right. If a second grade teacher knows how to access the dark web, I'm not sure if they should be a second grade teacher. M. Knight's like, I will buy boogie shoes. I will not attempt to get the permission to use the word Reddit. <laughs> it's like, that's... What subreddit have- do you think they met on? Like, wh- where do you think they had to go? QAnon. Think- like, this is straight up <laughs> QAnon bullshit. So but this is our slash dream interpretation. Yeah. That's, like, that's where they met. Yeah. Am I the asshole? Am I the asshole? Am I the prophet for getting this family tied up in a cabin and make them kill one of each other? Yeah. And look, is... look, the biggest problem to me, well, not the biggest problem, yet another problem for me. Is, one of the big problems. Uh, maybe it's that we're recording this during Passover, but uh, there are plagues. That's like a a thing that's in previous works. Some would say fiction, others would not. But like some of the, there are these established plagues in this book that was written a long, long time ago that would be easy to perceive in this story. And uh, it's full insects, of locusts, for instance. Yeah, a swarm of like, locusts. Uh, if like they were in this cabin and a whole blood? swarm of locusts. That's, always, that's why they were metal wands. Yeah, water turning to blood. That's a thing. Uh, you know, I think maybe we skipped the death of the firstborn stuff. But there's there's plenty of like things that are actual like established plagues that could be immediately reportable on the news, like locusts. The, or, the, the, you know, the people would be like, holy shit, there's suddenly a lot of bugs that weren't here before. Not like a lot of kids have died in the last 45 seconds. Isn't that weird? 
like or like all the kids turn into zombies. I do want to remember. I do want to say. I think I remember the part of the story where Moses tells Pharaoh he'll crash all his airplanes. Mm. Oh yeah, sure that else. was that was like the third one. I say that one is alien. And that so no, what you do for that one is. You eat the matzo pretzel, the airline matzo pretzels, and you watch Jerry Seinfeld's bit about airline food. I, yeah, Alicia, you can cut the fuck out of that. No, keep it. Yeah, there's a lot of things about this movie that cut is it, Alicia. Bad. That joke fucking bombed. <laughs> no, you I just know it was airline food. It's not. It's I mean, what's the deal? It's, would you think that that joke? What's the deal with these message boards? Um. Oh, anyway. Well. The one bit of like of M Night being maybe tied into a little culture, even if it doesn't make sense, I don't care because it's a good call. Wen's favorite movie being Kiki's Delivery Service. Oh yeah, she has good taste. Yep, Wen's awesome. Like she yells for like she wants to watch Paddington. She's done with Plague News. She and you know what? I would have rather watched Paddington. I don't know who Chloe is. Look, like I I just love that they have that like on their their like list of shit like you know emergency shit to do like okay when i nod my head you start yelling about paddington <laughs> like we did I had to turn on subtitles with those holy shit that the show said that was a black canary scream <laughs> yeah yeah also speaking i was of the wearing subtitles, headphones i was not prepared i'm so sorry i've been watching a lot of playthroughs of bloodborne so i was prepared <laughs> Then I I was not aware that I would have to deal with that in this film, but you know, good for her. Also, who spells Caroline like that? Born boss. That is literally the first one. Yes, yes. Spelling of Caroline. Yes. Okay. Fucking viewer, if you haven't seen the movie, let me fucking spell it out for you. Caroline. It is written down. It is spelled K E R O L I E N. I found that unsettling. The way off. I'm so angry about that. What? I'm so mad how they spell Carolyn in this movie. This is like the first minute of the movie, and I was like, now that is a sign of the apocalypse right there. I I I paused it and just yelled at my TV, M. Night, you motherfucker. Like, also, I don't know. We get M. Night's cameo as a dude hawking air fryers. Yeah. I think he should stick to that. Um, Really, for the cameo, honestly, I gotta say. Yeah, I was great. I, I, I was it, grateful he stuck it to the air fryer thing, and we didn't get him in like in the diner. Oh like, yeah, oh my god! Be, and being like, isn't it great that you survived your husband or something? Some bullshit. Like, like you saved us all. I'm like, yeah. Like, oh, uh, I, I was, my body was tensed in like pre fucking sneer cringe. Hey, night. Next time, it's okay. Look, motherfucking Alejandro Hodorowski did it. You can just say that you're just fucking just busting that fourth wall and be like, this is a movie that I made and the movie will already be better because at least it'll have the levity of being self-aware that it's bad. Like it's I mean, even if it's, you know, really bad, just, you know, putting yourself in there. Yeah. Like, okay, but also own it and just be like, yes, this is basically did that in fucking old spoilers he was basically like oh yes this is like i would have preferred that end to old has anyone here seen do you mind if i spoil old i've seen it 
please. Oh, okay. Yes, yes. feel free to spoil okay. old, literally, possibly the worst movie I've ever seen in my okay. life. Okay, so at the end of old, they like pan up from the beach that makes you old, and it's like fucking M. Night Shyamalan on the hill recording it with a camera, and I'm like, that's when I was like, please do this holy mountain bullshit. Like, that's the only thing that could save this movie. And him, like, turning to the camera, and then, like, you hear, see a reverse shot of, like, the crew there. And he's like, is this any, you know, or doing anything like that? Like, wait, what? No, yes. no not, that's not what actually happens. That's not what actually happens. That's not what happens. That's what should have happened. <laughs> what actually happens is that he is, like, the guy who works for some fucking medical clinic that's using this weird old beach to test drugs on rapidly aging patients because the beach makes you old. So they basically are like testing these different drugs on people. This shit is not in the book. It's based on a Bondesine comic, which is a lot less problematic. And that's saying something because Bondesine, they're beautiful. Mm, they get a little problematic sometimes. Um, I say that with all love in my heart. But yeah, no, like the end of old is he's the camera person. M. Night is the camera person for this medical clinic. He's not the director of a movie about a beach that makes you old in the movie, sadly. He's just the director of a very shoddy scientific experiment. Yeah. Uh, one thing that this movie gave us a little bit of that I honestly wish we got more of and I could do a whole series of, honestly, is Dave Bautista reviewing children's cartoons. <laughs> Is Dave Batista talking like, about the, the current strawberry shortcake uh, series? This he's is, like very wholesome. It's quite good. Seems like it teaches good messages of tolerance and respect to kids. I, yeah. At first, I felt that was a bit contrived, and then I found out that he was a second grade teacher, and then I was really mad that he wasn't my second grade teacher. Because, like, first of all, good ups to that school for employing a man so tatted up. Like, I'm, I'm happy that these movies with Dave Batista are embracing his tats. And, like, especially because a lot of them are relatively wholesome. Like, this is a Wu-Tang Clan symbol. Yeah, that's wholesome to me. You know, for the this is they're a for the children. So. Look, yeah. One day, David Batista is going to get cast for a role that's going to call for him to have to wear baggy pants. And the costuming department that manages to make pants that can contain those thighs should win I an Oscar. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I feel like if any pants, like no matter what pant, like either it shrinks onto him automatically through some sort of magnetism to his flesh, those or his like thighs are... just expand to any size. You those didn't see the little are... hole in the back? They stick the nozzle in and then just suck <laughs> suck it in like one of those freezer bags. He is fucking vacuum sealed into yeah. those pants. Holy shit! What? I well, he spent most like... of his professional life wearing trunks, so yeah. You know, so much. I love just how little salty there is. Like, again, like we wouldn't figure out, oh, famine is a chef. Pestilence is like, oh, is a nurse. War is a, a, a hate crimer. Okay, can we talk <laughs> about the fucking hate crimer for a second? Because, yes. like, there's a whole, like, false. I mean, the guy's name is, is Redmond and he is a red herring. It's insane to me that they built any of this in here because, like, this is the first dude to off himself in the story and also, like, ends up being Andrew's, like, initial reason why he doesn't believe any of this because this dude who has a different name looks like the guy who hate crime to them in the past 
which it turns out he is the same guy going by a different name and we don't know why yeah don't other know day- why he's going by a different name he doesn't acknowledge that he's ever met these people before or that he knows anything about them like there's no explanation for any of this shit but it's there like it's just this movie is it feels like having a cat that just delivers a dead mouse onto your door and it's like here i made this for you it's like <laughs> also like why the cat, want the, this? the cat the cat's speaking from the heart like the cat is speaking in a language that this is it an knows. heart that heart is no, strange the, the hate crime is so weirdly framed too because M. Night fucking loves his close-ups on just the face, and I really think it works against it in the hate crime scene because, again, maybe they're holding hands in some or something, but all the only thing that we're given on screen is that these are just two men sitting next to each other on bar stools having a very low-volume conversation. From what we're given, there is absolutely nothing to indicate that this is a gay couple to a stranger nothing gay is happening or being indicated or displayed when the hate crime happens yeah no, i mean there's there is no reason for redmond to even know that these two strangers are gay based on the information we are given in the scene a lot of this movie i feel like i citation needed like i feel like, they just a shot of them holding hands would have done it but no that would have required a fucking medium shot and god forbid we ever do that would you rewatch this with commentary oh no it was the question no i i think i would just get angrier that was quick no i I want if i were to rewatch this i would want a version that had all of the flashbacks cut out because like i feel like this man has the like air of a guy who's like Yes, I'm an ally, but has never met a gay person in their life. Like, it's like the most bare bones, like basic possible scenes from a gay relationship ever. It's like there's a scene with parents that disapprove and their disapproval is shown through lack of dialogue. Great. Dad's homophobic stare. Fucking amazing there that's all that actor just, just the fucking dead eyes of pure homophobia yeah. <laughs> yeah there is there is a hate crime that is generic in execution in every possible way there is them meeting there is like them adopting their child but like they don't have any kind of like relationship they don't have like a you know a, a shared language or a, like, always funny together things that they like from their you know, this this world of their relationship other than like boogie shoes, which is like yeah. the only thing that this relationship hangs on the only reasons and this adorable child. Everything else about it is as like fucking generic as possible. All I can figure is that like M. Night Shyamalan has seen an episode or two of Modern Family. Like yeah. other than that, like everything about this relationship is is generic. And to, to like pile on that just in general, I mean, the movie starts and then they're immediately put in this situation and we don't know anything about them. And except for like later on when they start giving us those flashbacks. So it presents you the question of why do I give a shit what happens to these people? And it's a huge problem for me for the movie. I mean, it's just like even the insistence, it's like, oh, you were chosen because your love is so pure, but it's like, you know, like 
make me believe it. Just like, yeah. even you took added five minutes yeah. on the beginning of this movie to make me like them as a family or as people. And then to me to be like, oh shit, no, I don't want anything bad to happen to them. We don't get that. It just stuff starts to happen. And then it's like, but Jeremy's saying, it's like, we get these flashbacks that I think are supposed to do the heavy lifting for that, but they're so generic. I literally couldn't give a shit. I and think they, that's like, what Boogie Jonathan, Shoes is there for, and it doesn't yeah, go very yeah. far. Well, no, exactly. you should think that the flashbacks on do. Shoes. Exactly. It's, yeah. you it's open like on if that us, scene. It's like if us had the five on it scene cut immediately to, and now doppelgangers attack. Yeah. Right. And, but the, they try with these flashbacks. I know they're trying, but the flashbacks just reiterate the information that we already know, which is, and this is what I'm saying. Like, okay. They have, they're, they're, you know, the only thing that we don't know is that they, you know, that we don't see as well from the initial situation is that they have dealt with the homophobia. But like, we can assume, you know, and we don't have to like talk about it. Um, and then also the character, you know, fucking Redford is there. Okay. We know like that was, we could, we don't need a flashback there. We don't need. The flashback of them adopting their child. Like, we, don't, we all know we that even, shit. We don't even get the flashback at a right time in the film to appreciate, like, fucking Redmond dying. Like, if we knew he was just a fucking scumbag hate crimeist, and then he's, and then Batista, like, bashed his skull in, we could be, like, have a little sense of, like, yay! Yeah, it's, or he could have said it, sorry. Yeah, instead, like you don't like you don't get the catharsis. It's like you have to be like, oh, I guess I already got the catharsis of this guy getting his comeuppance. That's why I think that I I can only appreciate that on a rewatch. No, but I think that's why the revelation that he's right and it is the same guy is a mistake. I mean, and I think that's and I think that again goes to like my big complaint about the end of the movie too is is that like. Knight's insistence on like, let me tell you what actually happened, even though they wouldn't have known. Nor, you know, like throughout this whole thing, it's just his insistence of putting a button on all of it. It just like really takes no away anything interesting from it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. No ambiguity. And God, fucking Jonathan Groff and Ben Aldridge do have chemistry with each other. And whatever authenticity that couple has is just down to their acting. But man, that. Yeah, there, there's no, re, there's no writing there to give their relationship a good, strong, just core and believability foundation. Yeah, yeah. I, I think what what Kevin is saying is is interesting to me because I feel like he feels the insistence on putting not just a button but like several buttons on it. But by the time you're done, it's like it's a shoe. Look, <laughs> it, it doesn't right. need buttons. Like it doesn't. <laughs> the, the, you didn't make the thing correctly. So now this it hat has, has five buttons. hats on it already. Yeah, it's like you've solved the problem that didn't make any sense. Like, you know, it's you you've really let us know that like, yes, all this stuff really did happen, but we still don't know why or how or, you know, this plague of airplanes. I think, you know, it's it's an interesting question to ask from this point. Like, who's gonna clean up all this fucking airplanes? Uh, right? one thing that I do thought was some clever foreshadowing is when they have Jonathan Groff be like, have you seen any bears yet? And we, the audience, know that Dave Batista's coming. <laughs> Which is completely on accident. I do like, well, I don't know. I think it's because I have a Pokemon named Dave Batista, but the fact yes. that she's catching 
grasshoppers. grasshoppers. And then Dave Batista appears out of the woods, and I'm like, catch him. Um, Dave Batista would be a great Pokemon. It's my uh, my my litten. Look, if it's like Dave Batista versus like I don't know Nine Tails, I think I'm putting my money on Batista. Is it Torrid Cat, the big one? I haven't actually evolved him into no, the big... Incineroar. 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 Yeah, that's Dave Batista's Pokemon. Yeah. I just yeah. wanted to mention that. It was either calling him that or Daddy, but I already have a Pokemon named Dad, so it's a Tyrannosaurus Dad. Rex. It's okay. Okay. The part of this movie that really fucking reminded me of old is when Sabrina fucking, when after they tie up the family and Sabrina comes out, I was like, this is my name, where I'm from, and my occupation. Oh, I yeah. got fucking, I got such fucking old flashbacks during that. Yeah. Like, ah, oh, you're back to your old tricks, Sam Knight. You fucking neely motherfucker. I, I got that with, with Andrew when Andrew's like, listen, I'm a social worker, so I know about the ills of the world. And I'm like, Jesus fucking Christ, M. Night. Like, yeah. What are we doing here? I work at a museum. <laughs> so I like old things because they're old. Get it? I think so. That was an old, not in this movie. This movie is the same, but, you know. I, once I like how Andrew's just like to... When, like, trying to convince Eric that it was, like, the hate crime, that Redmond is the hate crime, or is like, he's gained weight. I'm just like, man, fucking, I wonder what Rupert Grint thought of that, just being like. He did it, like, though. He can't, can't be fucking Harry Potter cute forever. Rupert Grint. Rupert a break. He's fine. He looks fine. He's, like. He does. He's not bad, for starters. And also, the version of him, I think it's just because he was hairier. But the version of him in the in the bar looked bigger than the version of him in the cabin. So he has a big jean jacket. Yeah, and I think that was just a that was the line from the script that they didn't catch after casting because obviously no editing is occurring in this process. Okay, one thing I do want to give this movie some credit for: if you're gonna have a gun in this movie. It shows responsible gun ownership. It is kept in a locked safe, on like completely separate, unlike ours. yeah. But I don't, I don't know unloaded. Le- unloaded. Yeah, I don't know about leaving it in a car where you can just look. That's at pretty it. questionable. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure about leaving it in the trunk. Well, and I mean, it's the one movie, a, like a little one credit, movie just a little credit, <laughs> where somebody is is observing proper gun etiquette, and it's the gay man that has to kill his husband yeah i mean it's a shame that like they they like so much of what they do but i mean just having a character in that headspace could have led to so many interesting things happening throughout this movie yeah and it's like nah we'll only we'll only address it when it's convenient yeah like that's what this movie could have been if i really cared about these characters yeah i mean that's my overall problem with the movie is that i think somewhere in here there's a decent premise that if you had a, a proper person writing it, you could do something perhaps thought provoking with it. Yeah. And the entire time, like I have to admit, like I'm a simple person. I was intrigued by aspects of this movie, like the setup for it. I was like, that's interesting. It's end of the world scenario. I like that, you know, four horsemen of the apocalypse or, you know, them showing up. I like that. 
But every opportunity that it had to separate itself from other things or not Shyamalan it up, yeah, it just went so hard. So yeah, hard into never, the Shyamalan. It would never choose to not Shyamalan. It was like drowning in a puddle for an hour and 47 I, minutes. I think the most Shyamalan line to me that jumped the fuck out, and I really want to ask y'all what you think, really just what the fuck this line means, is fucking Eric at the end going, maybe families have been deciding this all through time. Yeah. What the fuck does that mean? Like, you have <laughs> has to this happened before? Like the 700 airplanes flying? Yeah. I feel like we would have known if people had to decide that all through time. What the fuck right. are you talking about, Jonathan Groff? You can't just say shit. You can't oh. just oh, say oh, shit. Oh. Okay. Can I what? ask? Let me ask a question. Yes. Okay. Yes. What? Jonathan Groff, he falls toward the beginning of this movie and ends up getting a severe concussion and goes through the whole movie kind of staving off the uh, the effects of this thing. But at one point in the movie, he talks about seeing something in the light behind Dave Bautista. What is that? Like, do we ever, do they okay. ever explore it at all? What happened? I, I, okay, so my, so my interpretation is that what he saw is that what he was describing there was the flash forward we see of when as an adult, happy and still having a great relationship with Pandrew. Yeah. I mean, man the, in the window. Is that flash forward? I, my that's, all, that's the best I got. No, no, no. It's I don't more than care I got. because they don't make me, I have no reason to care other than like, it's just Memnite Shyamalan coming through the window and being like, have I told you about Jesus? Message. Yeah, I mean, like, that whole thing is supposed to be like, oh, yeah, he's starting to see, like, he thinks he's starting to see the kind of things that they see, whether it's the flash forward of her. Is that what it is? Because that's, I mean, that's more or less what I thought, but I wasn't sure. That That's how I took it, too. But I mean, the other thing is it's him being heavily concussed. Right. And yeah. the, fact that, the fact that they didn't lean into that, again, yeah. is one of those things where it's just like, all right. Well, I that would have required yeah, the movie let's, having let's maybe, ambiguity. Maybe, We've got one of the we've got one of the fathers who's got who's dealing with some major PTSD, and the other one's severely concussed. I wonder if that'll make anything interesting that's happening. I don't want to go down Unless. the roads. <laughs> well, that's the thing. Like Eric, Andrew, or when do any of these family members go through a real arc during this movie? No, no, no one does. The, Eric goes through of he he's born again because he hallucinated once. The end. Like and born into the apocalypse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like he didn't even. I mean, I've been there, but I'm just born into like yay drugs. I mean, (laughs) say that like it's different. There's no, there's no arc here. But killing your partner. Alicia got mad at me watching this movie because when Wen delivers her like the daddy Eric save everybody bit, I was like, oh, got me. And all of it got me is because like that delivery is so good by that little girl. That's yeah. the like the only reason Kui, any of that works. Yeah, Kristen Quee is great. Like yeah, I, Kristen Quee alone gives a better performance than the entire cast of old. And I think the one thing that we, you know, and I think everybody would be able to imply this, but the one thing we need to be clear about is like all of the problems with this movie, it is not the cast's fault. 
And no. absolutely not. Yeah. yeah. It like not, even it is not the cast's fault at all. They were like other, such, other than maybe Rupert Grint. Like yeah, whatever he has so little to say, thank mm-hmm. God. But like, yeah. Like whatever was going on in old, like whatever just fucking acting depletion juice or like space jam talent stealing style was going on with old is thankfully not here because even Nikki Amuka Bird who was also in old gives such a better performance here than she did in old. I love yeah. that you have such daggers for old because it reminds me of the daggers that I have for glass. Glass was the one that broke me that I said, I will never watch another Shyamalan movie again. Glass was such a unique thing because like the entire like first hour 20, I'm like, Hey, this is pretty good. Like, okay. No. Bruce Willis isn't doing much for reasons I'll make fun of at the time, but we'll feel bad about now, given what we know. But hey, McAvoy and Samuel L. Jackson are fucking bringing it. I'd give this a solid 3.5. And then I got to the last 10 minutes of the movie and I'm like, 1.5 at best. I watched that movie on a plane coming back from Australia. It's like 17 hours into a flight and decided to give it a try because everyone had told me that this was the one. I never wanted to They're leave. They're all lying the to you. It's it's never going to be. I was so visibly upset while watching this movie. And I'm sitting next to these strangers. And I just, the whole time I'm biting my tongue. Because I just want to look over them and be like, have you seen this piece of shit? As soon as Sarah Paulson introduced the Secret Society... Fucking oh, like, I, like the Rotten Tomato score just starts plummeting in my head. That movie, <laughs> that movie insulted my intelligence. It's it's up there. If like if I had a list of top five most hated movies that I've ever seen, it's it's up there. I can't. Stand and that's it. another one where he's like, "What if things were ambiguous?" And then the twist is like, "What if they weren't ambiguous in any way, shape, or form?" And I explain everything exactly. Nope. You just described knock at the cabin. Yeah. Uh, I've I have yet to see Glass, but I don't know. Don't. I, guess, I guess it's I guess it's okay. But like I was approached at one point by someone who worked on the production of Glass about trying to help them get something together for like DVD extras about the tie between movies and comic books, and it never came to be. Oh, that's a shame. Uh, the plot of Glass hinges on everyone. Hinges on a YouTube video getting released and the entire world going, well, shit, superpowers must be real. Only a superpowered person could get drowned in a five-inch puddle like that. And, you know, YouTube. I'm going to say something controversial. I think it's, I think Old is a worse movie, but I feel like I would watch Old again in a heartbeat more than I would watch this one again, because I feel like knock at the cabin creates the cardinal sin of being a basically boring movie and old is terrible, but at least it's batshit insane in some of the most batshit insane ways possible. I, I, I would watch knock at the cabin before I'd watch old again, unless I had a large group of people to watch old with. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Old is mm-hmm. interminably yeah, long. Like yeah. oh, old like, is about an hour too long. This movie at least has the decency to move it at, at a you know a, a clip that it's like yeah. Oh, this movie had it's got a countdown of dead bodies. It's like well 
three guys are dead. I know we're close to the end. Yeah, yeah, this movie, I feel, did have pretty decent pacing, whereas old just making me just stealing my life. Also, this say, movie did not allude to any sort of intercourse between minors. Fair. Yeah. What no do? minors has the hex in this movie. Fair. So, point, <laughs> look, knock at the cabin. Do I recommend it? No. If you have to watch every Dave Batista movie, He's really good in this. As good as you know. Okay, no. A denim. Cross that. He is as good as he can be in this. Yes. Yeah. You know, you know what I will say? We've said the name of this movie a couple of times, but you know what movie is much better than this? Is one of these people in this elevator is the devil? Or also just <laughs> devil? Is, um, is it is that good? It's, it's not bad. written by M. Night Shyamalan. It's not directed by him. Oh like, so like it's pretty good. Yeah, it's oh. stupid, and it's very like clear early on, like what's going on, but also like oh, it's directed by a by a much better director. <laughs> you know, clearly at some point, took, weeded out some of those lines that it's like humans don't talk like this, and made it better. I mean, yeah, the same guy that directed the remake of Quarantine, John Eric Dowdle. Um, okay, so also yeah, did, as above, uh, so, as above below, so below, quarantine and. Oh, as above so below is actually kind of neat. Like I kind of, yeah. I, I kind of enjoyed that movie. It was. You also it did also, the Poughkeepsie tapes, which I don't recommend. But um, also the 2018 Waco miniseries. Okay, I know there's another one that's happening right now. Yeah, another Waco series, which I don't know anything. I mean, I know about Waco, but I haven't seen any of the series. But that's not him. That's the 2018 one. If I want to watch stuff about Texas, I'll just watch King of the Hill. There you go. <laughs> I don't know what I'm trying to say there. All Texas stuff is the same. Am I just being needlessly mean to Texas here for no reason? I think I think Texas I think, can handle it. I think it. that's where I'm going with this. Are you are you messing with Texas? Because I hear that's a bad idea. Messing with I Texas am. is something they. What are prepare. they going to do? Crash their power grids at me? <laughs> <laughs> They might. Harsh. They might. You never know. One of that dust could get in my air and the butterfly flaps its wings. Are you going to do so, ban my book? Probably. Probably. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we're both headed down that road. Not kidding. Real quick, this movie has nothing to say about class or feminism or disability or mental health. It's got a diverse cast and it has gay people in it playing gay people which is nice but there's all so many movies that we watched that were like we're kind of glad that this movie didn't have gay stuff in it because they wouldn't have been able to handle it well and this is maybe the example of that like yeah he doesn't know what he, he has gay people in there he's crying i guess although like that's taken from the story s minus like the <laughs> the the genericness with which like the gays are handled and this is so it's it's almost upsetting in its genericness it's you know it would have been nice to have at least somebody come and do like a dialogue pass for him to just to have have them sound less like robots there's also the whole fact that the the whole movie is a barrier gaze trope and that it is like basically like you didn't kill your husband fast enough good point yeah yeah that is like 
is, is that supposed to be the implication that all these people died because you wouldn't kill your husband fast enough? Is I mean, that is that is a very clear line of logic that someone could have. Is, are we meant to use logic or lines in this movie, though? Uh, What's really shocking to me is that there's not an end of Schindler's List scene at the end of this movie where he's like, I could have saved so many more people, but I just shot my husband earlier. And he's like, just starts falling on the ground. He's like, this bullet could have saved 10,000 more people. This bullet could have saved airlines. <laughs> yeah, it's... And then while he's on yeah. his knees, Wen just starts putting on boogie shoes. <laughs> Was anybody what? else waiting for the twist that never came? Yes. Like, toward the end of that's this movie? Why I, that's why I think the twist is supposed to be that they're the four horsemen. That's well, what I figured. They show up dressed in the colors of the four horsemen. I just felt like the order of stuff, the four horsemen. I just felt it was so obvious that I kept waiting for there to be like another thing, another scene. Because I mean, I don't know. I watched a video earlier today where they were like, "This is one of the few movies where M Night doesn't do the twist ending." And I'm thinking to myself, "What other ones has he not done that with?" Avatar, maybe, less yeah. I was gonna say maybe Avatar, another thing that he ruined. Yes. Um. That was a twist. He made it bad. It used to be good. But... Yeah, the twist was that he made it. Lord. We used to be good, and now we're bad. <laughs> I kept sitting there waiting and waiting. I'm like, it's got to happen. It's got to, and then nothing. And I, I again, credits are rolling, and I'm just sitting there with my mouth open going, what happened? What was what, this? What do you, I mean, you don't have to have an answer if you don't have one, but like, what? would be the twist like wouldn't the ultimate twist be that like he kills his husband and then he finds out it was all not real anyway but like, well i mean that's one way to go with it sure I mean, like yeah, yeah a, vari I mean, a variation like, of mist i think would be the way so, to go right so, and alicia ending for that movie. incredible alicia, ending mist. yeah so have good. any of you have any of you read the book I, that this is based off of one, one thing no. i'd say i fucking hate the end of the mist what? Why? Why? Terrible. <laughs> I hate it. It's so it's, bad. It's uh, so funny because, like, this is the first time I've prepared. Like, when you ask, like, what would you recommend for people if they wanted to? <laughs> and the mist is like the one I was like, oh, the mist is the good version of this to a degree. I used to like, and I love dark endings for movies. And I used to be like, wow, I think maybe the ending of the mist is too dark. And now I've come back around to being like, I think it's the perfect ending. <laughs> I haven't All seen right. it, but. I, I will I will reserve my judgment. I mean, uh, the ending of of the book apparently for Knock at the Cabin is much more similar to the Mist in that, like, in wrestling with the Leonard character, when accidentally gets shot and dies, and they then say, "Oh, well, like that doesn't count because you didn't intentionally sacrifice her." And then the two dads are like, "You know what? Fuck you guys. Fuck the rest of the world." And they get in their truck and drive off at the end of the movie. Or at the end of the book, and it's like, you know, it, it's never really explained as to like what does happen at the end of that, from what I understand. But yeah. the thing with that is yeah. that it is it is tragic, and you know it sucks because a child dies. But also, it is a commentary on the like the bullshit that people argue about, you know, and that like what crazy people can do, and there can be like that's another thing that this movie could have talked about is you know the what people who are deluded 
and so deluded that they think that they're doing the right thing by making a fucking weird ass hammer and like killing random strangers while trying to force a hate crime to happen. I, there, like, there's so much. It's one of those things that really bothers me about an adaptation or just movies in general is when you have all of the ingredients to make a great cake. You have a, and it may be an intriguing idea, you know, would I have ended this movie the same way that the book ended? I don't know. But there is something to be said about, especially right now, where the movie is definitely trying to be topical because it's like a virus and a disaster and blah. But it actually uses absolutely not nothing. Virus. <laughs> yeah, it uses none, nothing that we've learned about that. Those things that, you know, we've, we've there's been tons of speculative fiction about these things happening. And then we've seen these things happen in real fucking life. And yet no lessons have been learned by the people who are trying to process this in, you know, this movie form, even though it's very obvious that they're trying to process this because they're like, what? every couple in the history of mankind has gone through this. And like, no, you can't just say that because you have talked about making a decision and critically thinking. Like, you've basically been like, critical thinking exists, and that's all you've said. You know, no like... No conversation ever finishes in this movie. No, like, there's no conversation. They never come to the ending of a, a logical conversation. They just sort of, like, start to say a thing and then cut away. Like, the whole, that's the whole movie, essentially, is like, it's trying to say something, but then it doesn't finish. And while I personally can relate to that as somebody who lo loses track of the topic that they're talking about, you know, doesn't work great in movies, especially when you're talking about things like, oh, I don't know, hate crimes and, you know, bigotry that becomes murder Honestly, of children. Honestly, this thing has, like, mad short story energy from, like, the premise to the delivery to everything. It feels like a short story in an anthology. And the best case scenario for adapting it is a decent episode of The Twilight Zone. Black and they Mirror. try to make a feature film out of it. And like, there's no way to deliver a feature film version of this that's not going to like, that has a happy ending and is actually good. Like, it, yeah. you know, it, it has to have like a not happy ending for it to be the story that it is. All right, and, you know, if it's going to be a happy ending, it's got to be a lot cleverer on the writing side than this movie is because it never, never gets anywhere close to it. Absolutely. I think, you, I think you can sum up this whole movie in one scene, and it's when they have Batista trapped in the bathroom, and then you hear the window crash, like, and then they, they open the door, and it's like, well, I see the size of the window, and I've seen the size of Dave Batista. So he has to be in the tub and then they shoot the shower curtain and nothing happens. And then he comes out later and it's like, yeah, it wasn't a surprise. He had to be in the tub. There's literally no other place for him to be. Yeah. yeah I, I, I said the same thing, thing like, to Alicia when I was watching this. I was like, <laughs> there's no way that that large ass man went out that tiny little window. Right. It's I wanted to see it though. I wanted to see him squeeze his like big body through that tiny window. But that, that was been interesting. <laughs> Unless the twist was that he was like a shapeshifter or some shit. And he was death. The real, like, he was the alien. He's an alien from science. It's all real, interconnected. The real problem, actually, with this, with that scene is that the logic of this film is already so broken that you're like, maybe the movie does think he went out the window. Like, maybe in the movie he did go out the window, even though I'm looking at it. And I can tell 
that there's no way that man could have gone out that window. But the <laughs> shit that's happened so far in this movie, maybe he did. I don't know. That's what with Chris is talking about how this movie, how like M. Night Shyamalan is just trying to gaslight you. Like that's basically like M. Night Shyamalan. <laughs> like a lot of these movies, it's just like, you know, M. Night Shyamalan's like, the sky is blue, isn't it? Or is it? And I'm like, yeah, it, it is. What's, what are you trying to say? Okay. Uh, humanity. Let's, let's get this set. Do you guys recommend this movie? Should people watch this film? Oh, not, no, 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 probably no. not. Unless you like, want to be it, mad. It's not one of the worst I've seen, but I mean, there's, there's a lot better. There's a lot even, better trips to the streaming service. Yes. It's not even the worst Shyamalan movie, but I would I definitely like it's like what Jeremy was saying. Like if he, I would say if you had a group of friends who wanted to watch old together, I would say do that before watch this. Yeah, it might not even be in. M. Night Shyamalan's bottom five, but I still wouldn't recommend it. <laughs> we should yeah. do our, I mean, think about it. You got to get through hap- You got to, I mean, just think about it. You got to get through happening. Last I mean, airbender. Old. Yeah. Fucking, I mean, the only problem with doing Glass this ranking is that I would have to watch the rest of Last Airbender. I should have left 10 minutes in. And then I would have to yeah, watch it, Happening. Yeah. I, I got it has taken me about 20 seconds to come up with six movies I would rank below this. All from Shyamalan. Yeah. I'd rather watch Signs than this any day. Oh, yeah. I'd rather watch Less Airbender than this. Signs at uh, least delivers gonna... a couple of nice, scary moments. Like Signs loses a few extra points just for having Mel Gibson in my book. That's true. That's my own personal bias. I will second that. to any movie with Mel Gibson. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Mad Max. If you like Lethal Weapon and Mad Max, fine. They're grandfathered in, but yeah, but that's any news before he opened his mouth. Any news? I think we all come down on the no side here. So that in mind, what should people watch? Kevin, you said you had something. Well, yeah, I mean, The Mist was was absolutely the one that I was going to point to, but I haven't seen it. I haven't seen this movie in a while, and I. Has anyone seen The Rapture with mm-hmm. David Duchovny? And- no. no. I've seen um, Evolution with David Duchovny. I've also underrated. seen Evolution with David Duchovny, and I'm underrated. terrified to find out how it would hold up. That movie does, does, does not movie. hold up. No, we it we watched it a few years ago. Yeah. It is cringy in ways that I will not talk about here. Yeah, yeah they wanted to make a Ghostbusters movie, and they just did not get that. I respect that, but yeah. I remember but, liking it, but I also remember being 12. Dave Duchovny is a real shit in that movie. He's very yeah. disrespectful. I, I feel like, we're, how's Orlando Jones? Does he at least hold up? I feel like Orlando Jones would hold up. Yeah, it's par for Orlando Jones. If anybody does in that movie, sure. Yeah. I think um, Julianne Moore gets done Jones. dirty in that movie. Oh my God, Julianne Moore was in that. Oh, she got done so dirty. It's basically David Duchovny talking at her the entire time, and it's he's awful. Like his character is awful, his dialogue is awful. There are definitely funny moments. What's his face? Sean William Scott has got his his tuki tuki kakal kakal moment in the mall, which is pretty good. I, I I'm, I'm one of those weird people. I don't I don't think it's weird, but I actually think that Sean William Scott is good in a bunch of things, particularly the movie Goon. The hockey movie. Yes. 
I think he's actually really, really good in that movie. But I think he, I think he's pretty funny in parts in, in Evolution too. So yeah, I like him in the rundown. He's being very Sean William Scott. He's being very Stifler in that movie. Like he's fresh off of the American Pie stuff, but. I don't know. Rundown. Rundown's go going places. It's got Christopher Walken and his Tooth Fairy speech, which is, which is enough for me. Yeah, it's the rundown starring Christopher Walken playing Christopher Walken, The Rock playing The Rock, and Sean William Scott playing Sean William Scott. Yep. Amazing. I'm going to say if you want a movie where Jonathan Groff is still very gay, but way more flamboyant and ridiculous, check out Matrix Resurrections. Oh, yeah. I was literally typing this into this sheet as soon as you said a movie with Jonathan Goff where he's just as gay. I was like, so we're recommending Resurrections again. Yeah, we are. I'm <laughs> sorry. I don't care about any straight person's opinion about this movie. I fucking love <laughs> Matrix Resurrections. I had a ball with that movie. I thought it was awesome. Oh, that's awesome. That's so the second good. one? The What's fourth that? one. No, the fourth one. The new one. Yeah. Oh, that's the yeah. new one. Yeah. Oh, shit. It's real good. It's People real like, good. People are like, oh, Keanu doesn't do enough martial arts. He's got to make so many John Wick movies. Let him have a movie where he just waves his hand around and calls it a day. Yeah, and I. Yeah, Fine. Yeah. Just give him, let him hang out. He's an accessory in that movie anyway. Carrie um, Ann Moss's plotline and Trinity's plotline in that movie <laughs> is having to literally violently escape his heteronormativity. It's great. <laughs> uh, Steve, what did you have to recommend? I just thought of this just now, and it's a little bit of a left field thing, but I'm thinking of the whole like isolation theme and the the not knowing what's happening on the outside of the situation. And I think I've recommended this before, but I'm going to go with Cube. You remember oh, yeah, Cube? Yeah. yeah. I've never seen Cube, but I, I know of it. I've not seen it in a very, very long time. But Cube is this charming, bizarre uh, sci-fi film of a bunch of people trapped inside of basically like death trap rooms and having to work together to solve their way through a maze and survive. And the I'll just I won't spoil it, but the the conclusion to that movie is extremely poignant and actually has something to say. Um particularly about the communities that it's dealing with throughout the film. But I'm not saying that Knock at the Cabin reminds me of that movie. I'm saying if you want to watch a better movie about being isolated and needing to figure out a bizarre situation, I would go with Cube. Nice. Yes. I think you yeah. recommended that on our Saw episode, too. I always recommend Cube. It's just a good-ass movie, or at least I remember it being a good-ass movie. It could be super problematic now. I have no idea. But I do remember the ending, and I think the ending still holds up for all of the shit that you probably need to wade through to get there. That actually makes me think that I, I also, I, I recommended it when we talked about the thing, but I also want to recommend Sunshine again. Oh yes. yeah, Sunshine. It's a great movie. <laughs> we really got to do Sunshine at, at some point. We got to get that on the schedule. Yeah, I've definitely recommended that one on here as well. Emily, what do you got to recommend? Well, if you like Sean Gross and you want to see him be like a feral baby, watch Mindhunter. I, I love him in that. He's real good in that. And uh, it's a better everything than this. It has, I mean, it's like the polar opposite of this. You know, for example, it respects your intelligence. It has, you know, interesting things to say, etc. It doesn't have Dave Bautista, though, however. So that's too bad. Also, if you like things about cabins in the woods and it's crazy shit going on, 
God, I recommend Yellow Jackets. Started that. Oh, it's so good. Uh, that was that show. Is there's so much about that show? I mean, it's yeah, it's about teenagers in the nineties. And I've read, I think it's I recommend also about it how much will Coach Ben suffer this week? Yeah, <laughs> talk about the poor days. At you least he's not the only dude. one. You want to talk about a gay dude having a bad time in a cabin? Yeah, Fucking check out Yellow Jack. Yeah, there you go. That's yeah. Oh, coach. <laughs> Coach, Coach um, Ben. Oh, poor Coach Ben. ben. Yeah, that's just really good. It's got everything, and it is like the '90s weird ass, you know, survival mystery. You know, a descendant of Twin Peaks that makes a lot more sense. If Lost and Stephen King had a baby, and that by Twin Peaks, and it was yeah, it was better. Major literature and Melanie Linsky was there just fucking being amazing. Oh my god, there's so many amazing, so much amazing in this movie. I mean, this show, it's a show, it's on show time. And And as we mentioned, it is also co created by Karen Kusama, who yes, talked about like two weeks ago. Yeah, Um, yeah. Speaking of Melanie Linsky, I so I had something that I wanted to recommend and something that. I have to recommend, like, I, while watching this movie this week, and the last week I've also watched two things that were direct adaptations of video games, one being the Super Mario Brothers movie, which is fine. The other Loved one it. being the first season of The Last of Us, which is phenomenal. Like, everything about that movie is great. It is, or that show is great. It is so unashamed to be an adaptation of a video game. It is so in love with the source material in a way that, like, Obviously, Resident Evil has never been. No Resident Evil adaptation has ever liked Resident Evil the way The Last of Us likes The Last of Us. I, this is like, I played The Last of Us. I've never played the second one as of yet, but I had to not play it after playing the first one because it's so fucking sad. But everything, everybody that favors, man. Right there with, yeah. Oh, I know. Like, coming, like, I described The Last of Us as like, literally everything that can ever go wrong and this thing will and it will go more wrong than you think it will but like it's a really well-made show it's really well acted like you know it's got two two main cast members who are just phenomenal in bella ramsey and pedro pascal the show is like so unbothered that it, it that with the pacing that it like will really take its time to just like zoom in on a supporting character for like a whole episode it does not give a fuck it is so like well made and deliberate in such a good way that like having finished that earlier this week i had to recommend it if you've played the game i think the funniest thing to me is that there's a a bit in the last episode where there's like a literal ladder puzzle in the show where like (laughs) he's like oh i can't get up there because the stairs are broken i'll have to boost you up there and it looks like there's a ladder. Why don't you slide the ladder down so I can get up? And I was like, this is a thing that happens a hundred times in the video game because it's a video game. I was like, this is the funniest shit. I don't I, I, I don't know how many people will understand how funny this bit is, but like, <laughs> it's really funny to me. But the thing that I feel like I want to recommend after watching this is the funniest thing about, about Knock at the Cabin and the most like, the thing that made me saddest about it was when we finished watching it late at night last night, it immediately was like, hey, you know what you should watch next? 
you should watch Megan. And I was like, fucking God, I wish I'd been watching Megan for the last two hours. I love I love I've heard Megan. very good things about that movie. I've not seen it I yet. Yeah, I haven't seen it, but I've heard it. really good things. Yeah. It's so good. Like it understands the like amount of DNA it shares with child's play and the amount of DNA it shares with like Blade Runner. Nice. And then on top of what? that, it's just like This is the what? Alex Garland movie, right? Uh no. and Jesse Buckley. Megan? Oh. No. This is a different movie called Men then. Megan. No. Megan. 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 Oh, Megan. Yeah. Oh, well, the we oh, we absolutely have to fucking do Megan. Soon. Oh, yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah. Oh, Megan. Megan's going to be a fucking episode. Yeah. I want to I want to talk about men, too, but we'll... it's written by Akila Cooper and James Wan, who are I mean, we're going to be talking about James Wan very shortly, but those are I mean, they're both fantastic. It's, it's directed by Gerard Johnstone, who uh, Housebound, which like we haven't talked about, but is a weird Australian horror movie and is also very good. So, like, it's got all the parts there. And then it's just so, like, it's so fucking funny. Well, like, and it's still a horror movie. And it's a, a movie that, like, weirdly has something relevant to say about AI and stuff, like, in this moment. And it's still just, like, so funny. Like, it's just, it's such a joy to watch. And it's still, like, legit a horror movie in the spirit, in a lot of ways, of, of Child's Play. And it's so God, it's so all done that like I, that I, look popping up at the end of at the end of watching Knock at the Cabin made me so angry that I'd wasted the last two hours not watching Megan again. <laughs> so like, yes, absolutely. There's, there's an unrated cut of Megan coming out. Should I wait to see? Oh, that? it's on. The, the, it's on. It's Peacock on Peacock. already. You oh, have like, to watch it unrated. Theatrical cut. Again, I didn't see it theatrical. I only watched the unrated cut. How they released it without those scenes, I don't know. Those scenes, like you have to have those scenes. Noted. Like it's really just, it's really just a couple of changes in like when things cut away and it's and some very it important cathartic gore. Yeah, <laughs> it's the name of my new band. Yeah. <laughs> well, look, I know, look, I know I'm the fucking bloodthirsty psychopath of the group, but if that level of violence hadn't been actually shown in the movie i would have come on here being like boo discretion shots no catharsis which yeah. you only get in this movie when dave batista is just hilariously smashing in the face of someone who's already dead yeah also so many times he hits right? these people <laughs> so many times it's off camera so you don't see it but there's just like so much thunking the Can giant we... fucking axe that he has like how does he not kill somebody the first time. Can we just talk about the weapons for a second? I'm sorry, the tools that they had. The in only this movie thing before that's potentially we wrap up. cool about the movie that yeah. they never bothered to explore. Yeah. Yep. I just there was a lot of care that went into those. Like, did you see how tightly they were wrapped and yeah. like fitted and the whole bit? But like, I have to imagine that the purpose of that of them being the the tools being what they were was just so that they would get the job done. I would imagine because you could have used anything well, to I take think, people out. I also think like one of them had like a flail on, you know, like a, a ball. Yeah. I'm sorry, but like, and so all I could think about was like that's impractical, impractical in a combat situation. It was like a sledgehammer yeah. head on a chain. Yeah, at so the end of that hurt thing. Yourself. But like, I think that's the other another thing. Like, sorry to like dive back in real quick, but it's like the other thing with that is like they have these weapons, and it's like it really doesn't work for them to immediately be like 
we're going to tie you up in this cabin and we're going to make you kill someone in your family. But I assure you, we are very nice. Like, yeah, do they have to bring the tools with yeah, them unless like for, they're using them to get in the house? There's a point where Adrian says, I saw like all this stuff. I saw the weapon. That's how I knew what I had to make. And so like, it's just another moment of like, they start to build out the lore and then just like, fuck it. We didn't want to finish making that story. And it also dawns on me now that what I was saying that I love The Last of Us, I did say, speaking of Melanie Linsky, Melanie Linsky is a violent psychopath in The Last of Us and she's fun. Yeah. I mean, she's horrible, but it's great that it's Melanie Linsky. Yeah. <laughs> Support women's wrongs. Absolutely. All right. I guess that's. I guess that's it. Kev, do you want to let people know where they can find you online? Yeah, I mean, if you still deal with the hellscape that is Twitter, I'm at Electric Dracula on there. And I, I'm on Instagram, and I don't use it a ton. And there I'm at Electric underscore Dracula. And that's, that's about it. Awesome. And Steve, what about you? Uh, you could find me on Twitter. Again, like Kev, I barely use it. But Twitter... At Instagram, I am at dead underscore anchorus. And uh, you can catch me just about every week, every Wednesday morning on the Talking Comics podcast. We recently had Kristen Gudsnuck on the show this past week to share some thoughts and feelings about her new book with Emily Hampshire, known from Schitt's Creek. They did nice. a book together, and I haven't read it yet, but I've heard some oh, really amazing so things. Exciting called Amelia Earhart Basic Witch, and I'm very much looking forward to it. And if you go and check out the show, we've got an awesome interview with Kristen. And uh, yeah, we do it every week. We're 593 episodes deep. So oh there you go. Good on you. God bless. That's awesome. Some days though. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> As for the rest of us, you can find Emily at Megamoth on Twitter and Mega underscore Moth on Instagram at Megamoth.net. Ben is on Twitter at BenTheCon and on their website at BenConComics.com. You can pick up all their books, including pre-order L. Campbell Wins Their Weekend, their debut middle grades novel from Scholastic, as well as their new series, Griffin, which is coming out uh, as we record this. Um, nice. Uh, yeah. Or anywhere uh, else. And finally, for me, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at jrome 58 on my website at JeremyWhitley.com. Uh, where you can check out everything I write, and you can also pre-order The Dog Night, which I wrote with along with our uh, artist, Free Indigo. And I've also got Gwenpool comics coming out right now. By the time you hear this, they will all have come out, and they're on Marvel Unlimited, so go read those. They're fun. It's a romance comic. Um, yeah. yeah. And, of course, the podcast is on Patreon at Progressively Horrified, on our website at progressivelyhorrified.transistor.fm, and on Twitter at Prague Horror Pod. But we'd love to hear from you. We'd also... Love it if you would leave reviews for the podcast and rate us five stars so that we can find new listeners. Thanks again to all of you and to everybody before the show that joined us to talk about about their strong feelings about this film. It's a wild one, guys. Um, <laughs> Thank you, Kevin, Steve. Thank you so much for coming and, and talking about it, giving us more more input. It's really good. More things My um, pleasure. Our pleasure, too. <laughs> Wow. uh, Thanks to all of you for listening. And if you watched this movie because we were doing an episode on it, we're sorry. We'll see you next time. Next week, what are we talking about, guys? Uh, We're talking about, oh, 
We're talking about Malignant next week. So. Oh, holy fuck. Oh, God. So get ready. Oh, my uh, goodness. Because for certain values fuck. of good, that one's much better than this one. It's one of my favorites in a while. I like that movie. Uh, oh, James I... Wan sure does James Wan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, until then, stay horrified. <laughs>